right, Judges chapter 16. If you're ready, say I'm ready. We're going to start in verse 4. Um, if you're following along today in your Bible, verse 4, we're reading about a man named Samson. And Samson is one of the judges of Israel. And so this is before Israel gets a king. This is before a regular monarchy is instituted. Samson is what's known as a judge. And so very similar like a Supreme Court judge today, problems would be brought to him. He would make judgments. The people would listen. The problem is Samson had a very high calling on his life, but he also had a very a big problem. And, and not just a typical problem. He had an identity crisis. Samson had an issue with lust. He had an issue with wanting more than God had already given him. And when you're not satisfied with what God gives you, you will always be discontent with what you actually have. If you're always like, well, this isn't enough, there's gonna be plenty of mornings you'll wake up unhappy. But uh, we're gonna read about a man who is deeply flawed, but still used by God. Like he lies, he cheats, he steals, he does some terrible things, but God still uses him for his glory. And so we're gonna get into it today, it's gonna be great. Judges chapter 16, verse four, here reads the word of the Lord. It says, sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Everyone say Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so that we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So Delilah's being tempted pretty much by the Philistines who are at odds with Samson's people. And when you measure out how many Philistines she probably was talking to, how much shekels they're actually talking about, it would have been about the equivalent to like $58,000 in cash. So today's standard, these people come to Delilah and they say, hey, we'll give you 50 grand if you will tell us about Samson here and how we can take him out. Okay, just to kind of give you some context and what that looks like. Verse six, so Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. He, they go back and forth a few times. We jump back in verse 16. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. And so he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head because I've been a Nazarite. I'll get to that in a second. Dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. I want you just to see this. In this relationship, Samson gives up the secret of his strength. And because this relationship has become more important to him than his relationship with God, he's able to give up his strength. I wanna title this message to you this morning called Haircuts and Hair Pulling. Talk a little bit about Samson's hair today. Let's pray, Jesus help us in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. No time for a long prayer, literally. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I met my wife, um, about 10 years ago, and uh, recently had become a Christian in 2012, and got healed of cancer, got involved with the local church, and met this girl named Randy. And uh, Randy, I thought, was, you know, a sweet girl. I was new to a Christian setting, and so usually when you go to Christian settings, you know, it's typical if you're single just to start looking as if, like, I need a woman, you know what I mean? Like, I need somebody. I'm so lonely. And uh, when I had gotten saved, I, I didn't need a woman. 
when I had met Jesus, I believe me, I had enough women. I did not need another woman. I was not thinking about, you know, being in a relationship. I was not thinking about, you know, having a girlfriend. I was just glad that I wasn't going to hell. Amen. You know what I mean? Like, I'm barely learning about Jesus. I'm just realizing, like, I've been saved by grace, and, and uh, Randy gets brought into my life. And uh, I remember the first time she invited me to go to what this event was right here. I'll show you this picture again. This was uh, our church's winter posh event. It was like an event for all these ladies, but I was volunteering, okay? That, that's mistake number one, single guys. You show up to all the women's event to volunteer, Someone should have been like, what are you doing here? But anyways, I was just helping out and I was serving and uh, she came up and she says, let's take a picture. And, and this moment was like the first time I started thinking about like, wow, what would it be like if I dated Randy? Like, what would it be like? And so like a couple months go by and we're friends and we're talking. And I'll never forget this moment. We're sitting there talking and I start telling her like, I think I like you. You remember this moment? Some of y'all, you wrote this on a note. Remember, do you like me? Yes. And then another box that said, maybe. You didn't even put no. You, you didn't want to get rejected. You know, just yes or maybe. And I remember thinking, like, telling her, like, like I think I like you. And this is exactly what her response was. I'll never forget as long as I live. I've been seeing her lead worship. You know, I've been coming to church, new Christian. She's on stage every week leading, like the power of God's flowing through her. And I'm meeting with her and I say, hey, I think I like you. And she says, you don't like me. You like the calling that's on my life. And as a new Christian, I had to kind of do a double take. I was like, pff, pff, pff. maybe I do just like the calling on your life. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but usually when you're dating, there comes a moment with an individual where you start to really find out if this is something you should pursue or not. There comes a time when you've like, you know, maybe courted somebody, or you're getting to know somebody and you kind of put it out there like, hey, you know, I have feelings. Usually it takes a reciprocal response to know right away or it takes like a response that makes you rethink who you even are. In this, in this relationship series, we've been kind of going off of this, especially for single people. It's not about finding the right person. It's about becoming the right person. Uh, married people, it's not about getting your spouse to become something. It's about committing to becoming something, and in turn, your spouse becomes something. Married people, I don't know if you've ever tried to fix your spouse. This doesn't work very good, okay? This doesn't go often as planned. But it's not until we get in relationships where we take personal responsibility for ourselves do we realize how it affects our relationships. The story of Samson, as I mentioned in the intro, is a very sad story. Uh, it's got some great highs and some great lows, but unfortunately, Samson, I think, is somebody like you and I, is very flawed by the world he lives in. He has a direct connection with God. He has a responsibility from God, but at the same time, he has a lot of influence with people. And when you have a relationship with God and maybe you're very influential with people, sometimes you can get your hearts crossed and think that pleasing people is more important than obeying God. I, I'm not a pastor to get people to like me. I'm a pastor because I want to obey God. Okay, as a Christian, we don't have views about life or about sex or about gender. We don't have these views because, you know, we want to upset people. We have these views because we have to obey what God's revealed. So it's not about being liked. It's about being obedient. It's about being trustworthy that God is the one who sets the terms, and I have to try to struggle to find my way into them. So there comes a time in Samson's moment where you realize he is succumbing to his flesh. 
I'll give you some highlights about who Samson is. First of all, he's the son of Manoah, and uh, Manoah comes from the tribe of Dan. We know that his mom is barren, and she gets visited by an angel, and basically the angel says, you're going to have a son, and tells her that her son is going to be very great in the eyes of the Lord, and he's going to play a big part in Israel's future. And then we know that he is a Nazarite. This is a vow that Samson makes to God, okay? So vows in the Bible are not like for everybody. There's plenty of times where people vow to do something. Sometimes it's for life. Sometimes it's for a set season. Um, Anybody ever been on a fast before? You you ever like fasted for like seven days? Or maybe you told the Lord, like, I'm gonna fast like 21 days for you. It's not a long-term thing. It's like, I'm gonna fast for this amount of time. It was very common that people would take a vow to be a Nazarite. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about Nazarites. John the Baptist was a Nazarite. We know that the people of the Nazarenes can be found in uh, Numbers chapter 6. And there's three big no-nos about the Nazarite vow. Someone say, teach, Billy. That's why I love church. I just want to get you filled with the Bible. And then, you know, you can go out and live this thing. I just think the more we get in us, the more we're going to get out to others. Okay, so the Nazarite vow has three things. First of all, they weren't supposed to touch anything dead. Okay, They, they weren't supposed to go around dead things. And in Samson's story, he's going to break this rule. The Bible says he'll be walking and he sees a dead lion and there's honey inside the lion. And so to get something sweet, he reaches into what's dead and violates his vow. So this is how some of you date. You reach into something that's already dead, hoping that maybe they will find some life. Okay. Listen, sometimes it just takes somebody under the anointing to say what needs to be said, okay? Just need to say this. We cannot go looking for life in dead places. You cannot go to a place that is only talking about death and expect to get life. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and life more abundantly. And so Samson's not supposed to reach in and touch anything dead. Secondly, he's not supposed to drink anything that comes from the vine. And so no wine, nothing that would have come off the vine. This is, again, something Samson will struggle with. He's going to sleep with a couple different women, and it's going to show that he's drinking from the vine. There's going to be a couple things that are a little bit off there. And then third from the Nazarite vow is you don't cut your hair. Huh? There's nothing magical about the hair being long. This is not a command, too. This is not a blanket command, you know, that you must have long hair if you're Nazarite. It was just a commitment to God. And so there was no power in the hair itself. The power was in the vow that was made to the Lord not to do this. Okay, no shave November. All y'all men, come on, that's when you start growing it out. Same idea. I'm not going to cut my hair in honor, though, of God. And we'll see eventually how he loses his hair. And then we know that he's one of the last judges before Israel institutes a monarchy. And we know that his life seems to have great purpose. From the moment Samson's born, he seems to have great purpose. Look what Judges chapter 13 says in verse 12. His dad is speaking to the angel that visited his mom, and his dad asks this, now when your words come true, what is to be the child's manner of life, and what is his his mission? I want you to see this. Before Samson is even born, his dad is asking questions about how he's going to live and what his mission of life will be. Okay, do you have a good understanding of how you want to live and what your mission in life is? Do you have a a, a true north that, you know, when you get off course, do you have something you can kind of center back to? 
Like it's easy to say, yes, God, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. Yes, absolutely. But there are divine things that he will reveal to us about our future. And he will show us you can live this life if you take A, B, C, D steps. Are you following me? And I just find it so fascinating. Before Samson's born, he has a manner of life and a mission to life. Why is that? Because God will empower you when you have a set place you want to do and a set thing that you're trying to accomplish. He will empower you when you let go of your thing and see towards his thing. I could see my husband and my, you know, I could see our marriage looking like this, you know, and God says, okay, I'll take you to a healthy marriage, but there's got to be some things that you let go of before you get there. Can't take old stuff into a new season. Can't show up. Anybody been in a relationship before where it's almost as if like you're paying the damage for the last person? (laughs) Who am I talking to this morning, you know? I mean, that's how I felt being a pastor. People show up to church and they'll be like, I don't trust pastors. And I'm like, what I do? You know what I mean? But it's like the effects of the last relationship have now caught up and they are now affecting you how you view the current thing. <laughs> we have to be people that have a healthy sense of who we are. And I believe it starts with having a mission and, and, and something we're supposed to do with our lives. I would say it like this, when you're on mission, healthy relationships happen naturally that when your life is going somewhere, naturally you will find people that are going that same direction and it'll just happen organically. It'll be like, you're you're a Christian too? You wanna do this? We're friends, great. And even single people, you heard me talk about this a couple weeks ago. Sometimes we say, well, I gotta find the right person. Who's the right person? And it's like, well, you gotta become the right person, but you also have to get to the right place. And and the first time Randy and I dated, it was great because like I wanted a girlfriend. And I'm like, this is great, I got a girlfriend. You know, like, of course no one wants to be alone. This is awesome. And then we broke up for seven months. And it was awkward. And I had to discover that there were things in me I wasn't growing into yet, but I was trying to kind of pull her back from where her life was going. Can I be honest in the house of God this morning? Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. You follow me? So I got to make sure I'm going to the right place. And when I'm there, the right person shows up. Samson goes to the Valley of Sorek, which is Philistine country, and naturally runs into a woman named Delilah. Three verses before Delilah, we read in verse one, Samson went to Gaza and there he saw and slept with a prostitute. No big deal. I mean, the Bible is scandalous, y'all. Sometimes we look at reality TV for entertainment and it's just like, read the Old Testament. Seriously. So let me kind of tidy this up a little bit and give you an actual overview, because we're in chapter 16, and I'm going to land the plane around chapter 16, but I think it's important you catch up in the story and kind of hear what Samson's done up to this point. Okay, can we study a little bit today? Okay, let's start, uh, first of all, Judges chapter 13. This is where we read about Samson being born and Samson being called. Samson's name means like the sun. We pick it up in chapter 13, verse 24. It says, the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the young man grew and the Lord blessed him. Watch this, verse 25, I love this. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir him. In Mahanadan between Zohora and Eshtal, you know, with those names, you just gotta say it quick and confidently. <laughs> Mahanadan, yeah. Who's going to challenge me, you know? (laughs) But look at that language there. Samson is born, and the Spirit of God does not come on him, but the language just begins to stir him. Almost as if, like, his life is itching for something better. 
you've been stirred before. Sometimes it's for good, sometimes it's for bad. You ever been stirred up, like, ready to pop off on somebody? Uh, we say it like when we're talking like gossip or we're talking about somebody, we say, they're always what? Stirring the pot. They're always stirring the pot up. Okay, there is a positive way to stir things up with the spirit of God attached to it. There's a positive way to speak life into people, even if they don't believe it about themselves. You know how many times I just got to speak life until people laugh at me? Because I'm like, what do you want me to say? Yeah, you are a loser. Yeah, you are done forever. Yeah, you should give up. Like, no. I'm going to speak life and say God can do anything with some willingness because the Spirit stirs us up. I believe this summer he's stirring some of us up for something bigger in this community. I believe when we do our men's breakfast, we're going to see him stirring the men of this community, desiring some friendships again. He's going to stir us up in the right way. And so Samson is born and immediately he gets stirred. And then chapter 14 tells us that Samson is not just born and called, but then he gets married. Yes, Samson has been married before. Someone say, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Judges chapter 14, uh, pick it up in verse 2. It says, there he came and told his father and mother. So young Samson here. I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now go get her for me as my wife. I mean, just the audacity here. Just to go tell your parents to go fetch your woman. You know, just, I saw this woman from from the Philistines, go get her for me, continues on in verse three. But his father and mother said to him, is there not a woman from among the daughters of your relatives or from among all our people that you may go take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? And so again, this isn't, this isn't because of race and ethnicity. This is because the Philistines worship false gods. And in antiquity, it wasn't like, oh, I don't want her marrying a Philistine because, you know, we got to keep it in the... It wasn't like that at all. It was like, if she marries a Philistine, she will be worshiping false gods. She will be doing some things that are against the will of God. So the father and mother are naturally like, can't we get you someone who's in covenant with God? Randy talked last week about being unequally yoked. Remember that? And how like, you know, a yoke is over two oxen. And when it's unequally, eventually they just kind of go in circles because one is higher than the other. Okay, it's the same with Samson. He wants to get married to a Philistine. His parents are like, why? Can't we find something a little bit more us? You know, like we're about God. Do we have to forsake our values here? Continues on, look at his response. But Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. Tell me that's not the human condition. We come before God like this sometimes, friends, and we say, do this for me. It's right in my eyes change this for me. It seems right in my eyes. And I think there's a lot of things that we can all think is right in our own eyes. And that's why when we come together for church, we try to recenter on what God calls right. There's real context. There's real critical thinking that has to go into this because I don't believe that the job as a Christian is just to go around and be right. Like I'm right, you're wrong. But there is something in us that wants to live right. We're in this world but we're not of the world. And you can't make a difference if you're not different. You can't actually make a change if you yourself first aren't changed. And so call it what you want it. Every time, we call it spiritual formation. We call it allowing God to form us so that we actually do things in his way and what's right in his eye. Samson wants a girl, of course he's going quick. Doesn't listen to his mom and dad. I think there's a commandment about that doesn't follow their instructions, and we see what ends up happening. The, the story continues. He gets a woman, gets married, 
And then some crazy stuff happens with the Philistines. The Philistines don't like him. And I'm, I'm, it's a long story, so I'm just kind of t- you know, just bringing you up to speed with it, okay? Cliff notes here. The Philistines don't like him. There's a moment where Phil, uh, Samson wants to upset them, so he takes like 300 foxes, and he puts like fire on their tails and lets the foxes run through all the Philistine crops. It's kind of weird. And then like there's another moment where like the, the Philistines take his wife, and then they say, we'll release her if you like answer this riddle. And it's just a real weird exchange and, and you should go and look at it. Basically he ends up losing his wife, watch this, to the best man at his wedding. If you've ever been cheated on before, which I, I, I have, not from Randy, thank God, you know, but in my past I've been in relationships where I was cheated on. It, 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 it's not fun. It, it's something that, that cuts you at your heart. Now you include that with somebody that's a friend that's almost like a double layer of hurt. And how Samson responds is he ends up getting captured by the Philistines, and we pick it up, Judges chapter 15. This is when he wins his first battle. So after he goes through something trying, he still comes out with strength to fight. And if you're going to get into a relationship, disclaimer, just make sure you know how to fight. Not like fight the person you're with, but fight for what matters in your life how to fight and tell your, that person you're with, no, church is important to me. So you can come or you can't, but I'm going. Like, that's how you fight. You, don't, you put your foot down and say, this thing matters to me. You know what I mean? Like, hello, like, yeah, she wants to get in bed with you, man of God. No, no, no. this thing matters to me. Like, I, I used to be that way, but this matters to me. Like, like, I'm not doing that because I need to know how to fight for what matters. So Samson fights, and then look at what happens in this battle. Uh, verse 14 of Judges chapter 15. I'm giving you guys great Bible teaching today working through some chapters, you know? I told my pastor, I was like, I'm going to preach on Judges 16. And he's like, well, what about the first four chapters? I was like, ah, we'll work through them. We'll get there. I got some time left. Okay. Judges chapter 15. Here's a highlight. Then he came to Leah and the Philistines came shouting to meet him. So they're like, let's do this. We want to fight Samson. And watch here. The spirit of the Lord didn't stir him this time, but it rushed upon him. Uh, the, the, the Hebrew is to violently come upon. It was almost as if like something, like he would just got fired up, you know? I mean, if everybody likes you, especially in this day and age, you might not be doing what God's calling you to do. It's okay to get a little upset. There is such a thing as righteous anger, okay? I, I try to work with the men in our church on this all the time because something happens in the political arena and it should make us righteously want to do something, but it, it shouldn't make us outside of the character of Jesus. Follow me? So the spirit of the Lord comes rushing upon him and the ropes that were on his arm became his flax that he caught fire and his bonds melted off his hands. So he does like some incredible Hulk stuff, right? Just bursts out of it. And then it says he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey and he put out his hand and he took it and he struck a thousand men with it. So he sees a donkey's jawbone breaks out of these bonds, picks up the jawbone, uses the jawbone to defeat a thousand Philistine men. And you know, that, that, that thousand and one, that guy's like, okay, I'm going back. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to mess with you. But, but notice what the Spirit of God does. It allows him to take something ordinary and use it to fight in an extraordinary way. Huh. Let me just tell you how powerful it is when you surround your home with prayer, when you start looking at things like your doorway, and you say, yeah, yeah, in the ordinary, it's just a doorway. But in the spirit, anyone that crosses the threshold of this home is in a worshipful environment. It's just a TV. It's just a TV. 
you know, my daughter's already two. And in my head, I'm like, when is she getting a smartphone? Never. You know what I mean? Like I'm doing all that stuff. Okay. Ordinarily you say, oh, it's just a TV. They're just watching TV. But with the spirit, it allows you to say, okay, yeah, you can watch TV. But if you watch this TV first, you can watch some Jesus first. And then, you know, whatever you want to watch. But the spirit of God allows us to take something ordinary and make it extraordinary. Before this room was a church, it was a canning factory, like Campbell's Soup, and, you know, that's why it's built like a bomb shelter, you know what I'm saying? Like, concrete floors, concrete ceilings, like, whatever. And, 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 and ordinary, it's just a room where they would put food in cans. But when the Spirit of God stirred some people and said, no, this is more than just where we can food. This is where we get filled with the Spirit. This is where we get a purpose for our life. It's ordinary, but with the Spirit, we can do some crazy things with it. It's ordinary to drive down the street and say, oh yeah, all these people are in need. But when serve day comes and we get some spirit on that, we're going to walk into those areas looking different. It's ordinary to say, yeah, yeah, our kids need something to do. Let's give them a Friday night youth group. No, with the spirit, this is where leaders are raised. This is where men and women of God are taught. This is where people go to their schools with the fire. Like the spirit changes things, y'all. And we'll do a whole teaching series on the Holy Spirit soon, and, and probably in August we'll get into it. But he is the one that gives us that ability to win. So Samson wins that battle, and then we get into chapter 16. And in chapter 16, it's no coincidence that after one big battle, he is quickly tempted with the desires of his flesh. Verse 1 says, he comes into Gaza, meets a prostitute. He's won a few battles. He can justify some sloppy decisions because he feels good about past battles. Let me encourage you, after every victory, sometimes you need to take even more sensitivity towards what you're doing. Okay, think of it as like a battle uphill. It's like every time you go up, don't just be tempted to go back. It's I'm going to the next level. Samson meets a prostitute. He ends up meeting Delilah. And then the Bible says that she wants to know why Samson's so strong. For $58,000, she is bribed into getting close to Samson just to pull his strength, okay? You must be very careful when you're in a relationship that you're not with somebody that's always just draining your strength and, and, and is never actually building it. That's, that's typically what happens. Even in marriages, sometimes our spouses just become somebody that just drain us. They're just another thing oh, just, uh, because there's not anything in us that builds that other person. And so she ends up getting his strength three times. She ties him up. He falls asleep. It's a whole other sermon. She ties him up, and three times she rushes upon him with the Philistines. So she tricks him three times, and yet he still goes back into the relationship. Do, do I have to say it? You know what I mean? Like how much longer... Are you going to stay in something that you know is leading you to being tied up and subdued? And I'm not talking in a physical na nature. You know what it's like to be tied up in your soul, where you want to push forward with something, but it's like something's holding you back. Or somebody's perspective, I know I'm preaching, just look right at me. Don't worry about who's next to you, just look right at me. Okay, like you just, you, it just drains you. And that's because when we don't know who we are, we become more of liabilities to people instead of blessings. When you don't know who you are and what your life is about, you become like a ticking time bomb in a relationship rather than somebody that can actually bless and build others. That's why our men's ministry, our tagline is blessing. Uh, uh, we raise up men to bless women and children. Like we raise up men, they're going to be a blessing to women and blessings to children. Okay, it doesn't just start with let's fix the problem. 
starts with who am I? And I think Samson lost who he was here. Let's pick it up, verse 19, as I get ready to close here, this story. It says, after putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair. And so he tells her about the Nazarite vow. And he says, hey, if someone cuts my hair, I'll lose my strength. The source of his strength is his hair. Not his hair, but the vow about the hair. Okay. It says, after putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair, and, his, uh, and she began to subdue him, and his strength left him. And then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he awoke from his sleep, and he thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. I'm just going to do like I always do. Like, yeah, this relationship's dysfunctional. I'm just going to keep it quiet. Don't tell anybody. Or, yeah, I'm not happy in this relationship, so I'm just going to self-medicate and numb myself because I don't really want to deal with this person. I'll just escape from it. I'm just going to do what I always did. He just thinks, I'll just do what I always did but he didn't know that his strength had left him. Look what the Bible says here. He did not know that the Lord had left him. That's a scary verse. Consider that with me for a moment. Samson, the man of God, chosen to be the judge of Israel. The next person that comes into leadership is King Saul, and then eventually King David. So we're like right in that time period. And he did not know that the Lord had left him. Now you and I under the new covenant, we would say God never leaves us nor forsakes us and that he does not. But make no mistake, there are times where he removes his glory in response to our actions. God will not abandon you. Someone say amen. If you thought religion was all about being perfect, it's not. God desires relationship with you. But strength sometimes comes through submission. And I get strength from God when I submit myself to his plan. When I don't go looking for my own answer, I look to his word to discover the answer he has for me. It says he did not know that the Lord had left him. Verse 21, I got to hurry. Then the Philistines seized him, watch this, and gouged out his eyes and took him down to Gaza. And they were binding him with bronze shackles and they sent him grinding grain in the prison. So they took out his eyes. So now he has no vision. Now he can't see where he's going and he's in pain, okay? They bind him, and they take him to Gaza to grind uh, a mill, in, in, he grinds grain there in the mill. So Jesus has this line in the New Testament where he says, you know, anyone that messes with kids would be better if a millstone were hang, hung around his neck and he was thrown into the water. You remember that verse? Okay, that's, that's what Samson's grinding. It's this huge stone that would just grind stone on stone. They put their grain in there and get it out of there. Just, just, just all day, just grinding, grinding, grinding. Verse 22, but the hair on his head began to grow again after had it been shaven. There's two ways you lose your strength in a relationship. Someone cuts it away, they take your hair. And their decisions take away your strength. Or two, you pull it out yourself from your own frustration. Someone either takes your strength because of their actions or you surrender it yourself because you're tired of grinding. I think there's a better way. Very quickly, because I got a few minutes here, I, I wanna give you four tips for dating. Very quickly, for your fill-ins there. Things that'll help you not date a Delilah. Someone that's gonna trick you 
trick you, subdue you, be bribed, turn you in. I mean, there's some things you just can't help but notice. Four tips for dating. Number one, self-discipline always leads to success when you're dating. Okay, Galatians 5 is precedent here. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, all this stuff. Self-control is one of them. And I know what it's like to be single, and I know what it's like to be alone, and I know what it's like to be the, you know, the third wheel, and I know what it's like to always be like, where's my answer? And I'm telling you, staying disciplined to what God showed to you will lead to success, okay? Number two, second tip for dating, lust is not love. Never once you know, told somebody I was a relationship, I'm so in lust with you. It's not love. Like sexual activity, let me be a pastor here. Sometimes young people, that can just make us feel something for the first time in a long time. And we're like, I love this person. It's like, no, that's the only person you've been intimate with. So you're probably hooked. That's why we teach don't do it until you're married. Because once it happens, you locked in sometimes. That just, it does something to you. Okay, so let's be clear. When we're dating, lust is not love. It's, no, it's different when you love somebody. Who cares? Looks are fading. Looks are fleeting. In 30 years, you're not going to care what that person looks like. You need to be attracted to them, but at the same time, shouldn't be a distraction. <laughs> I'll just keep it going, y'all. Number three, listen to wise counsel. The, the book of Proverbs says there is safety in a multitude of counselors. There's nothing wrong with dating somebody and telling somebody in your church about it. Hey, me and him are dating. I just wanted accountability. Just wanted you to be praying for us. Hey, I'm thinking about, I've had several single guys come to me and say, hey, I just want to let you know I'm seeing this girl and would you just pray for me? And it's like, absolutely. Because the more people we tell about it, the more healthy it can be. And then lastly, number four, you're not the savior. Tips for dating, you can't save them. We call that the Messiah complex. It's when somebody thinks that their Christianity is strong enough to save the person they're dating. The New Testament gives us a little different precedent for marriage. And it basically says like, woman, if your husband is far from God, like still honor him and show, you know, be, live, be that light and that might turn his heart towards God. But we're talking people dating here, you can't save them. You can't get them on fire for Jesus. You just live for Jesus. You stand up for what's right. And then you pray that the Holy Spirit is the one that does that work. Can I show you how Samson's story ends? It's pretty sad. Judges chapter 16, verse 27, it says, now the house was full of men and women. So this is the Philistine house. They're actually worshiping uh, uh, their false god, Dagon. They're, they're worshiping Dagon and they're, they're praising Dagon. And the Bible says all the lords of the Philistines were there. And on the roof, there was about 3000 men and women who looked on while Samson entertained. So now he has no eyes. He's bound in this Philistine temple and they call him out and say, dance for us, entertain us. Whoop, watch out for a partner in a relationship that just wants to be entertained. I just wanna be entertained, just keep me busy. No, are you willing to give me what I'm giving you? It's not 50-50, it's 100-100. Says 3,000 men, they looked on while Samson entertained. And then Samson called to the Lord and said, oh Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once that I might be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested and he leaned his weight against them. And on his right and the one on his left, on the other hand, and watch this. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength 
and the house fell upon the lords of the Philistines and upon all were in it, so that the dead he killed at his death were more than those he had killed during his whole life. That's how God, this is how the story ends. He's been captured because he got in with the wrong woman. And instead of just feeling sorry for himself and remaining a prisoner, he says, God, would you, I love the language, would you just remember me? I forsook our vow. I gave up on you. Would you just remember me? And this is what I love about God. Gave him the strength to do it. Because yeah, you might've forgotten about God, but he hasn't forgotten about you. You know what I see in this moment of Samson? I see, I see glimpses of a real savior. Yeah, Samson was a, was a man who's flawed, made some mistakes, but how he ends his life shows me of a true savior that did something similar. Because Samson in one moment killed the enemies that his people couldn't stop. In one moment, he took care of more of the enemy than any point in his life. But in the process, he took out his own life. Can I tell you that like Samson being stuck to those pillars, we have a savior that was stuck on a tree. And in that moment, he could have easily said, I, I can take care of this myself. I don't need to save them. They're not worthy of me being saved. But he took down death and himself. Do you understand how loved you are? He gave himself up so that the enemy you and I couldn't fix and couldn't win against would be defeated. See, where Samson missed it is he died and he stayed dead. We have a savior who died and rose again. And today we have life because of what he's done for us. That's why I take dating very seriously if I'm a Christian because I have to honor my savior and all that he's done for me. You wanna find yourself a real man? Find a man who honors the savior. You wanna really find a woman this time, someone who's gonna live right for you and is gonna show you what being a woman of God looks like? Make sure she honors the savior. Because you're not gonna hurt someone else's heart when you know that heart belongs to the savior.